We do continue in our series, Why? would remind you again that in the bulletin each week is a devotional guide provided for you. You'll see it there. And it's for you to use individually to grow in your faith and live with the message each week. You can also choose to use it in small groups for curriculum. There, there are questions to ponder and reflect on and to answer. And so, again, we encourage you to use that. Also, with this series, we're doing something on Facebook each and every week, Thursday nights at 7 p.m. I'll be on Facebook Live answering more of your questions that many folks have uh, posted on Facebook in the comments, and we encourage you to do that. Just post your questions, and I'll spend time uh, seeking to answer them as we grow together in faith. Let us be an attitude of prayer together. Eternal God, we do thank you for a gift of another Sunday. We thank you for this this World Communion Sunday that reminds us that we're part of a, a larger church, a global church. We are the hands and feet of Christ together. So thanks for that reminder, Lord, and thank you for the gift of the music and the fellowship of this church. We sense your presence here, Lord, and for that we are very thankful. And now, Lord, you have given to me the amazing privilege and responsibility of preaching your word to these, my friends, and your servants, Lord, a task I always need your strength in order to do. So, Lord, speak to me and through me in such a way that all of us receive a word from you today that will make a difference to our lives. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, again, we continue in this series, Why? And we've tackled some challenging questions already. If there is a God, why is there suffering? Why doesn't the Lord answer my prayers? And last week, we looked at the question, why can't I forgive myself? But today, we have another doozy. Why doesn't God prove his existence? If I've heard this prayer and this question once, I've heard it a million times from people in the church over the years. Why doesn't God prove himself to doubters? Why doesn't God prove his existence and that he is real and he is alive? If you've ever doubted the existence of God or know someone who has, this message is for you. If you've ever struggled with your faith, but you don't like to admit it, this message is for you. And the truth is, 99% of us are in one of those categories, and the 1% is lying. So this message is for everybody. Amen? I've struggled with with doubt in my life. It's called being human. It's very common. I wouldn't have much to offer you as a pastor, as a preacher, if I didn't go through periods and seasons of doubt. I mean, I, I agree with Frederick Buechner, who said, doubt is the ants and the pants of faith. They keep it alive and moving. There is more faith in doubt than many people realize. In fact, John Wesley said that doubt is the front porch to faith. You show me someone who's never gone through seasons of doubt, and I'll show you someone who has a very shallow faith. That has been my experience. So today I'm going to share with you what I have learned through my seasons of doubt. And I hope it can help you, especially if you're going through a season of doubt in your life. Because I believe that the message I have today can help you learn to doubt your doubts and experience faith again. Now, I remember experiencing the power of faith one time. It was on the golf course. I was playing golf in St. Pete. I was serving a church there. And I was playing with some parishioners. And we got to a short par four, and I really wanted to impress them. The smart play was to use an iron off the tee, but I wanted to use my driver. And I had a shiny new driver, and so I decided to take it out. 
And I teed up my ball and I tagged that ball. I mean, I annihilated it. And the wind was with me and went a long, long way, bounced near the green into the group ahead of me. A major golf no-no, okay? Well, I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I did this. I'm rehearsing my apology speech. And then up ahead, I watched two men get really angry. And one man picked up my ball, true story, got into his golf cart, and began to come in my direction. And I'm walking off the tee going, this is great. Tomorrow in the paper, it's going to say, local pastor gets into a brawl on a golf course. And he's coming closer and closer and closer to me. And I was praying, Lord, you got to help me. Lord, you got to help me. And closer and closer. And I could see his, his face was red. And I had to get out of the way so he wouldn't run me over. And he gets out of the cart. He takes the ball and tries to plant it in my hand. And then says, oh, Pastor Reeve, it's great to see you. That was a great, listen, I am so, no, that was a, that was a great drive and nice message on Sunday. My wife says hello. See you later. (laughs) No, I learned something valuable that day. It pays to work for Jesus. (laughs) Also learn that the Bible is right. Pride does come before a fall. It's true. Or in my case, coming before getting flattened by a golf cart, my ordination is the only thing that saved me. But I also learned, once again, that God does answer prayer. But there is one prayer. There is one prayer that so many people wish God would answer. And that prayer is, Lord, would you prove your existence? Lord, if you exist, would you give me a hole in one right now on this hole? Or Lord, if you exist, would you, would you strike me with a lightning bolt, but don't let it kill me? Lord, if if you exist, would you perform some global miracle? Lord, if you exist, would you just tour the world like Elvis and perform signs and wonders before people? Lord, if you would just do that, it would settle a lot of things. It would silence critics and many people would come to faith. Now, when philosopher Bertrand Russell was once asked, now, when you die and you're confronted with God, what would you say to him? And he said, I would say, why didn't you prove yourself to those who doubted you? And a clever comedian once said, I would have no problems believing in God. All God would have to do is to deposit a million dollars into my bank account. But we all know God does not work that way. We know that. And there is an old saying that says, if there is God, he's the ultimate underachiever. But is he really? Has God left us with no proof that He exists? I mean, when I think of the day my son Paul was born, or when I, when I look at that lake in front of me, a Lake Morton, or when I look at a, a sunset or a sunrise, or when I look at a mountain, I say to myself, there has to be a God. And theologians call this the design argument, which basically says when you look at everything, When you look at the handiwork of God, you must conclude that there is a designer. But you know, some people aren't so sure. I had a friend in high school who had a very strong faith. Grew up in the church. Felt called to preach, just like me. Then went off to college to major in religion. And then in college, he learned some new things. He studied science and biology. 
In the religion department, they showed him that there were different ways to interpret the Bible and faith. And he came from this just one shallow or narrow understanding of the faith. And everything was thrown for him. He was thrown for a loop. And he lost his faith and decided not to become a preacher. Now, I I ran into this guy some years later, and he was giving the faith another try. But I never will forget that loop that guy was set on when he was in college. And, and he often reminds me of that, of that man who came to Jesus in the, in the gospel of Mark with this sick boy. And he wanted Jesus to heal his boy. And he said to Jesus, do you remember? I believe. Help my unbelief. And the truth is, a lot of us live on that semicolon. Between I believe, help my unbelief. And maybe that's where you are today in worship as you come and and you're right in the middle of that. You're living on that semicolon. Yes, I believe and there are days when I feel the hand of Jesus and then there are days when I'm in the dark. And maybe this day you're in the dark and you want to believe, but you're struggling. What if I told you today I could share some things with you that would help you? What if I told you that today I could share some things with you that will help you leave your doubts in the dust and reclaim your strong faith? That's what I'd like to do today. And as I begin, I want to share with you uh, about a particular character in the Bible who doubted so much this poor guy. He was actually nicknamed Doubting Thomas. Remember him? And his signature scene appears in the Gospel of John, the 20th chapter. Appearances of the resurrected Jesus are happening everywhere. I mean, everywhere. Most of the disciples have seen the resurrected Jesus, but not Thomas. And this is what Thomas says about that. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails in my hand in his side, I will not believe. And at one time or another, we've been there, haven't we? Lord, I just want to see you in a real way and feel you in a real way. Well, Thomas, he got his wish. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Here, put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. And Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Wouldn't you love to have that experience of Thomas? He had touched the resurrected Lord. But then Jesus said something right after that that has always been very peculiar to me. And I I never really understood it until I, I studied it recently. Jesus said this. Take a look. Jesus then said to Thomas, Look, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen And yet I've come to believe. Now, why would Jesus say that? To me, it would make more sense if Jesus had said, Blessed are those who have actually seen me, like Thomas, and touched me. And how admirable and amazing it is for those 
who have not seen, yet still come to believe. But Jesus didn't say that. He said, blessed are those who have not seen, yet have come to believe. Why did he say that? Well, I believe it's because experiencing God goes much deeper than experiencing proof. Experiencing God goes much deeper than experiencing proof. Those who experience God beyond what can be seen and proved are blessed because they are experiencing God on a deeper level. You see, God is not a science experiment. God is a personal being who's real and alive. God is is not an object to be observed. God is a spiritual power to be experienced. And so how do I know that? Well, let me share some thoughts with you that maybe turn your mind and heart in a good way when it comes to this subject. The first is this. Proof of God doesn't guarantee belief in God. Hear that. Proof of God doesn't guarantee belief in God. The truth is, it's really impossible for God to prove His existence. You know why? Because God has given us freedom of thought. So anything God could do or would do to prove his existence, someone would explain away in some way. I mean, say God did write in a comment in the sky, I love you, I'm real, this is God. Or say God did tour the world like Elvis and perform signs and wonders in some way. And say God did strike someone with a lightning bolt in a positive way someone would still have an excuse to explain it away. Some would say, it was an alien. Or they're hallucinating. Or they're smoking funny grass. It's hallucination. Or it's artificial intelligence. You see, proof of God doesn't guarantee belief in God. But let me go a little further. Let me go a little deeper this morning. Proof doesn't always lead to faith. Proof doesn't always lead to faith. You see, many of us have this this wrong notion that if God finally proved His existence once and for all, then all would be right with the world. That uncle of yours that drinks all the time would stop drinking and come to church. That friend of yours who's an atheist would convert dramatically and become a preacher. Well, I hate to burst your bubble, But proof doesn't always lead to faith. There were many people in the Bible who witnessed, who saw miracles, who did not follow God. There were many, many people who followed Jesus and and watched and experienced His miracles, but in the end, didn't follow Jesus Christ. You see, even if God did prove His existence in some way, faith and trust and surrender are still required to experience the real power of God. I mean, an atheist could come to believe in a higher power, but they wouldn't necessarily come to experience the power of God and believe that God is worthy of their their life and their heart and surrendering to Him. You see, folks, faith is an inside job. You can take that to the bank. Faith is an inside job. A relationship with God must take place on the inside, not the outside. That's where it happens. 
Because God relates to us and communicates to us. Listen, He relates to us intimately and personally, and He relates to us individually. So that means you can never find God with the the strongest telescope. You can't find God in a test tube. You can't find God in a computer or by artificial intelligence. The only way you can find and truly experience God is by giving God your heart. By surrendering to Him in your life. I mean, what if I tried to prove love to you and said to you this morning, Church, I'm going to prove that love exists. And maybe I would sit down here in a chair... And you would put electrodes on me and you would monitor my respiration and my pulse and my blood pressure. And then you would have my wife, Brandy, walk into the sanctuary. And and my blood pressure would go up and my heart would go pitter-patter. And I would get all excited because I love that woman. But someone would say, oh, he just had a lot of caffeine this morning. Oh, Maybe he is smoking funny grass, that preacher. But I know my love for her is real because I've experienced it. Or what about poetry? Imagine someone who can't read and has never seen poetry and doesn't even know the concept of it, opens up a book of poetry. And all they would see would be lines and words on a page, a bunch of black ink. And they would say, what's poetry? It doesn't exist until someone read to them poetry and they experienced it. The only way we experience the power of Almighty God is giving God our hearts and our lives and surrendering. It's like the old hymn. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. And the prophet Jeremiah says, you will seek me and find me if you seek me with all your heart. You see, experiencing the faith, you have to come heart first, not head first. And so here's the message today. Belief in God based on proof is a science experiment. Faith in God based on trust is a relationship. And and maybe this morning that makes some sense to you in some way, but maybe you still struggle today. And if that's the case, I want to lift up one of my favorite passages of Scripture. It appears in in John chapter 6. And Jesus has been teaching and and preaching for a while. And many people have been following Jesus. And they think He's wonderful. But then His teaching, it becomes a little more challenging. It becomes a little more difficult. And people begin to fall away. In fact, the Bible says, there were disciples of His that fell away. And sometimes that happens. You know, it's good to doubt. But sometimes doubts overcome people. And and. Sometimes people have so much doubt that they ultimately lead to faith and they go down a dark hole. And maybe that's where you're starting today. Well, I want you to hear this. God still believes in you today, even if you don't believe in Him. But this is an interesting scenario. Watch what Jesus says to the disciples in John six sixty seven. So Jesus asked the twelve, do you also wish to go away? So Jesus was saying to his own 12 disciples, listen, all these people are leaving me. Do you also want to go away? 
And then Simon Peter says something brilliant. And I tell you, in my life, as I've gone through seasons of doubt, church, I have always come back to what Simon Peter said. And this is what Simon Peter said in verse 68. Lord, to whom can we go? You have the words of eternal life. Now think through that. Think through Peter's response. I believe this is what Peter was thinking in some way. He was thinking to himself, yeah, I see all these people leaving Jesus and I understand maybe why they're doing it, but where are they going to go? They've tried everything else. They're going back to the Roman government. Are they going back to their old habits? Are they going back to old things that never satisfied? Where are they going to go? And Peter was saying to himself, where am I going to go? Jesus Christ is the greatest hope I have. Where am I going to find meaning? Where am I going to find peace? Where am I going to find hope? It is only in Jesus Christ. And so I'll tell you this. When it comes to seasons of doubt, whenever we doubt, the question we must ask ourselves, and it's always a question I ask myself, to whom will I go? What will I entrust my life to? What will give me ultimate meaning and fulfillment in life? It is only Jesus Christ. He is the end all be all. I close with this. A cynical young medical student once challenged a a preacher and said, well, I've dissected the human body and I found no soul. And the preacher said, "Oh, oh, is that right? Let me ask you, when you dissected the brain, did you find thought? When you dissected the eyes, did you find vision? When you dissected the heart, did you find love? Just because they don't exist on a medical chart doesn't mean they don't exist. When we stop looking for God on the outside, but begin seeking God on the inside with all our heart, we'll find all the proof we need. And maybe that's the step some of you need to make today. Up till now, everything has just been head knowledge. And it's time for you to come heart first into the faith. Well, if that's the case, pray with me silently this prayer. Let's pray. O oh Lord, to whom, to whom shall I go? O oh Lord, I've, I've struggled with doubts and questions. I want to check off all the boxes, Lord, before I make the commitment. But, Lord, I'm realizing that those boxes don't go deep enough. So finally, Lord, I I surrender my life to you. I, I recognize by faith that you put on flesh and demonstrated your love for me in a way no one could imagine and demonstrated forgiveness in a way that's life-changing and so I receive it I accept it I open my heart to it 
Lord, fill me with your spirit. Bring me new life. And give me the power of faith. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for worshiping with us today. We hope this has been a time of encouragement, of inspiration for you. We appreciate you being here. Receive this benediction. And now may that mind that was in Christ Jesus be with you also. May the love of God, our Heavenly Father, abide with you this day and throughout this week. May the guidance and power of the Holy Spirit fall fresh upon you. And the faith and fellowship of all true disciples of Jesus Christ go with you and sustain you both now and forevermore. Amen.